Hey, 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 welcome to the Fast Growth Podcast, uh, episode number 100. Yay! Cool, awesome, <laughs> super excited. Um, look, it's uh, episode number 100. I uh, can't believe that. It's been, um, you know, so many days, so many months uh, since I've been doing this, which is awesome. Uh, it's good to have done this 100th episode so we have a different episode today so what's going to happen in this episode i've got a friend of mine julian uh he's going to interview me uh today um just so they go back to the history what's going on so you guys get to know more about me what i do um so i don't actually know what he's going to ask me uh, all these questions and everything so listen to this because uh, i'm sure you're going to get to know a little bit who is this guy? Jag is in a, what he's been doing from last many years, where all this got started, all that sort of stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting. I promise it'll be different because I have never done interviews before like this on this podcast. Usually we don't bring anybody on this. So I'm the first one. So hope you guys like it and I'll see you guys on the other side. One man with one mission. How to turn your experience knowledge or passion into a successful business so you can serve millions and make millions hey everyone this is jack jessel and welcome to the fast growth podcast let's get started all right guys welcome back and jag here today we have uh, uh, switched the table so i've got a good friend of mine julian here with me today um, so he's going to go through everything and he's going to ask me some questions. So it's not me doing the podcast today. He's, uh, I'm going to give it to Julian and ask questions and uh, let's see what he does. It. So before I give the mic to Julian, Julian, very quickly, you want to introduce yourself to the people who are you and what you've been doing from the last few years? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, thanks for joining us today. Bit of a special episode today. Um, my name is Julian from IQ International and Spartan Business Academy. Been involved in sales and marketing and business for the last decade. Before that was restaurants and a uh, little bit of retail with my wife's business. About We just sold that about five years ago. Um, yeah, basically the biggest thing for us, we're going to dig deep into Jag, what he does, how he does it, and what he's looking for in the future. So the 100th episode, absolutely pumped to be your host today. And thanks for joining us. Awesome. That's good, Julian. All right. Over to you, my friend. Let's get started. Beautiful. For those that don't know Jag, uh, I met Jag over in Fiji and uh, absolutely amazing event with Tony Robbins. But today I want to dig deep into what he does, how he does it and what he's looking for and how he supports businesses and people uh, internationally and obviously in, here in Australia. Mate, tell me about what you do and how you do it. All right, so it's a, it's a long thing. I can spend a day to do talk about this, but let me let me start with look. I think uh, uh, number one thing is uh, we help experts uh, scale their business, right? So uh, I love to uh, help all these smart people out there who have a certain skill set and they have worked on a long time attaining that skill set. We help those people become a better entrepreneur or great entrepreneurs, right? So that's that's in a nutshell. Uh, how we do it. Um, a very simple thing is a couple of years ago or three years ago, we started a project called the Fast Growth Project uh, where we done a lot of experiments for 12 months. And part of those experiments meant was uh, how to scale business from zero to a million dollars within 12 months. Uh, the first year, uh, yes, we didn't reach one million. Uh, second year, yes, we didn't reach one million second year as well. Uh, after two and a half years, we hit the one million mark out of that. So we teach pretty much the same formula to everybody, right? So that's that's the formula behind everything. 
Nice, man. So obviously in the last few years, you've found a few shortcuts yourself yes. in regards to the growing and scanning businesses. Um, let's go a little bit earlier than that. I want to know what made you you. So oh. let's, go back to, let, let's go right back to when you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and, and what shaped your mentality, your drive, your vision, uh, your work ethics. What, what was the biggest catalyst for that? Is it from a childhood? Is it from playing sports or extracurricular activities? Um, yeah, I think uh, everything sort of got started uh, in the childhood uh, when I was growing up because I was raised by a single mom. Um, you know, I didn't have all these, uh, you know, you can you can say all these luxuries uh, you know i could see my uncles and aunties my cousins having all that stuff uh, uh, you know i started with lack when i was growing up all the time right so everywhere i saw lack means that uh, i didn't have the stuff which people had it like you know all the neighbors had it uh, they had nice poshy cars i didn't have a car um, they had a beautiful house and and cousin you know um, brothers and sisters i didn't have it uh, all that started with the lack so i think uh, initially was uh, you know all these hunger kind of came from to fill that void fill the lack and it started from that um, you know and I wasn't good at studies um, you know I was mucking around all the time outside uh, but something which sort of triggered uh, in year eight or year nine where I sort of really started to love studies and um, you know, that, that's where it sort of started. I thought this is what I found that if I want to fill that gap, uh, which I have or fill that void in my life, uh, I must be studying. So I kind of, you know, put that together um, growing up, uh, you know, so that, that's where sort of mine started. So I started to study quite a lot. And that's where uh, when I finished my graduation or when I finished my studies in India, I was grown up there and came to Australia to do my master's at doing MBA. Uh, while studying MBA was, you know, like any other uh, international student um, studying here had to go through a lot of hardship like you know working at different places uh dishwashing for like 12 months uh, uh while doing my masters uh, you know all that was part of life but i think uh, to answer that question is, is all that started uh, uh, to fill that void because i thought the only way i can get out of that is by studying really hard so i think i gone into the books really well nice man and yeah. i guess it doesn't come from the traditional education system but personal development um and who would be some of the mentors that you got that you've studied or is it is it purely from an academic point of view or is it mindset think, is it spirituality yeah initially when when i said studying initially was very very system-based study mm -hmm. right it's a very academic studies you know follow the system do the masters do the bachelor do the double masters spend more time at the university even i enrolled into a phd uh, to do a doctorate as well which i was like nah i'm not, i'm not going to do it um, yeah. uh, the idea behind it was you know i was given this belief that uh, if i want to get out of that rat race if i want to be out of that uh, you know place um, where i was feeling the lack i need to be um, you know, using a study as my vehicle to get out of that, right? So that mm -hmm. that was the vehicle. So that's why I went to the universities. Um, but that at the time, personal development was nowhere close to. I didn't even need. I mean, I didn't even know there's a books called uh, Think and Grow Rich, or the you know Rich Dad Poor Dad, The Law of Success. All these books or the mentors were available. I think it's all started um, when I achieved my ultimate desire or ultimate goal. Uh, which was in 2007. So when I was studying at the university before that, my dream was 
um, to become a manager at Oracle and IBM, the big companies, and have a team of like 80, 90 people to manage. Mm -hmm. So when I became a line to manager there, I was doing the work. I had that many team members to manage. Uh, I I was like started to ask this question at the time. And I was only, uh, I think, 24, 25 years old. And I was like, what's next? Like, you know, I've, I've done this. What do I do now? And I think from that question, um, I started to seek answers. And that's where I sort of came into the personal development industry. Yeah. And then you left, obviously, from the traditional education processes, you're studying and then went into, did you go straight into business or was there a gap in between there? Oh, that was a huge gap. I think 10 year gap, I would say, uh, because nothing worked. Um, yeah. I wasn't, wasn't lucky once, right? So Because I think the... People who haven't studied in the system, it's really hard for them to do the work. I mean, easy for them to do the work, right? So because I studied in the system, I had certain beliefs and values. Um, And uh, those beliefs and values certainly didn't help, um, you know, building a business because, uh, you know, I wasn't that quick to uh, learn and unlearn, right? So it took me a bit of time to unlearn what I learned for many, many years and then uh, learn something totally different, which I never knew before. So I think that gap was 10 year. Uh, during that time, I failed in like 13 startups. Uh, yeah. I was doing a lot of startup after startup after startup and uh, losing a lot of money, but just failing it. I didn't actually know why I'm failing. Okay. Do you, um, and, and obviously with 13, were there certain industries that you tried? Did you try every industry? I pretty much tried every industry. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. I think uh, I was, uh, I kind of, I was really good at uh, predicting what's going to happen in the industries, right? So give you an example. Uh, I built the first job-seeking platform in 2001, right? Mm -hmm. Before C came into the market. So I actually built it. I actually gave it to Deacon, Monash, and I gave it to them for free to use it. They, I don't know if they still use it, but I gave it to them for free. But the mind wasn't there to take it to the market, right? So, and I built the first, um, um, you know, uh, exchange, uh, what do you call um, a traditional platform like eBay, um, trading platforms like uh, uh, Trading Post um, in 2004 uh, before eBay or uh, Gumtree, you know, was bought by eBay. So I, I was sort of doing all this work. Groupon, Groupon was sort of became famous in 2012. I built the Groupon type of website or platform in 2009. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even know how to sell them. I build the platform, yeah. then I feel that somebody's just going to come and discover me. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was, uh, and then training companies in the middle, consulting companies in the middle. Um, um, you know, started um, Oracle training company, um, thinking that put a you know ad on Google, spent about like five grand on ads, hired a company from somewhere uh, in Philippines to make cold calls, uh, paid them five grand as well. Uh, but nothing happened, right? So yeah, yeah, so and I, yeah. Having the idea is one thing, but executing and knowing the sort of how to scale and how to put deliverables together and the marketing team together, and then making sure that the finances are done properly is is a skill in itself. And and personally, there's a big difference between, let's say, for instance, learning an MBA and actually practicing an MBA's is somewhat very, very different. What do you think the big difference or why do you think it takes so long for a business to scale? Is it just because they don't have the skills themselves? Is it because they don't have the belief? Is it because they don't have the mentors? Which in that by itself is somewhat uh, inexcusable in today's world because all your mentors are on YouTube, you know what I mean? Like there's so (laughs) many more resources than you have in 2020 than you did have in, you know, even 
2010, you know? Yeah, look, I think it's, a, it's hard to, I, I can only talk about me. One of my mm. biggest thing was, um, I think I was made really good employee. I was, I was made from day one when I was born from, you know, till many, many years after that, I was made to become a very, very good employee, but I wasn't designed in any form or shape or the education given to me to become an entrepreneur. That, mm. that was the number one thing. Why? Because I was a master of a craft, mm. uh, which is, you know, like an engineer, like an, you know, artist, but I wasn't, I wasn't given any information or knowledge that how to take that craft to the market. So the information I was given was this craft, when you have it, people will just come and buy from you. But that didn't happen in many, many cases after that for me. Um, yeah. So I had to find a way. I had to leave that. I think uh, if I look at the other bits as well, like if we talk about um, you know, out of that as well, um, it all starts with identity. I think uh, the moment I shifted my identity from that craft person or the engineer uh, to the business owner, uh, things kind of started to change. Because long, long time, for a long time, I kind of wore that hat that I'm, uh, I'm an IT guy. I wore that hat for a long, long time. Yeah, and I guess in, in regard to your successes, you would attach your identity in that engineering IT thought process to your product and that's yes. you know and then and then that's it that's that's i'm the creator of the product and that's kind of all my job but as an entrepreneur you need to be the all-rounder you need to be the sales guy you need to be the marketing manager you need to be the advertising director you need to be the financial you know you need to be the yeah. the brains behind it the vision you need to row the ship and steer and make sure that the, the course is heading in the right direction so it's a very very different space from being an employee uh, to be entrepreneur, I've definitely spoken on this a few podcasts of my own and, and other ones where the difference between an employee and an entrepreneur is very, very different. Yeah. You know, the skills needed is, you know, I would definitely not say jack of all trades, but you need to be an all rounder. You know, you can't just be yeah. a bowler in a cricket team. You need to be the wicket keeper. You need to be the captain out of the bowler. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's a very important, like, you know, because, um, you know, we, what happens is when we're studying at schools and universities, like for example, I was doing master's in IT or bachelor in certain, certain domain, we started to believe that and that a belief sort of becomes so true that this skill set is everything because mm-hmm. that skill gives us money, right? So IT made me money. Uh, IT made me so much money that I can't even tell you. So it's because of that, I got so attached to that. I thought because of this skill set, I'm making money. So every time I started a business, I thought that skill set which made me money as an employee will do the same thing on the other side as well. Yeah. Right. And how long did it take you to realize that that's not entirely true? Ooh, I think um, I started to realize that after five or six years that something is wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, after failing again and again, I think the first couple of times I thought uh, the idea wasn't good. This wasn't that. Like, you know, you start to blame other people. The market wasn't good. Yeah. Um, you know, like initially you don't want to take the, um, you know, because imagine this. Look, I worked at a really good high level at a corporate. So my ego was quite high. So I didn't want to admit that, I, uh, you know, there is something wrong in me um, that I had to learn. So, um, that was a big part and uh, took me a few years to realize it. Okay, this is not working. So yeah. I have to go and find the answers and um, 
And I think somebody kind of introduced me to these uh, network marketing business um, in a long time after that is then I started to understand it. Okay, there's the people out there, there are the books available, there are things available where people can go to the seminars to learn for a couple of days. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't believe, uh, Julian, I was so naive um, because a part of the system I didn't actually know. I didn't actually know there are books available to learn from or there are seminars available, there are mentors available. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Like I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Um, there you go. Um, one of the biggest things, obviously changing from that employee to entrepreneurial mindset, what was the biggest shift for for yourself? Um, yeah, I think that the mindset and after that, I think it's, it's so many things um, else, uh, you know, learning became number one value. Um, means that, uh, you know, when I started to learn things, meaning that, you know, I realized it with the time that, you know, went to one of the events and uh, found out one of my, you know, why I'm successful in the past, why I have been successful in something in the past. So because of that, I realized it. okay, um, if I'm not successful in business today, it's not because, you know, things are not working or the idea is bad or I don't, you know, all that sort of things. I said, the reason I'm not working today or the reason the business is not working today because there is a gap between my knowledge. Today, I don't know something, right? Today, I don't know how to do this. The only thing I need to do is just learn it. Many people out there just learn things. So yeah. learning became my number one value. And I started to say that everything is learnable. And um, then I said, okay, I need to learn the right things. Yeah. You know, from the right people as well. Yeah. Nice, man. And, and now, obviously, when you're an employee, IT, making money, what, what was the catalyst to go, this is not enough. I want something else. And then the three or four or five years of failures what was the resolve to keep on going? Because surely at that point, at some point you go, there's got to be an easier way. <laughs> I'm going back to Oracle yeah. <laughs> uh, and making some money because I know yeah. how much, how, how, what, why did you, what, why was a path, you know, what was so attracted to that path? Um, look, I think uh, initially was um, the, the couple of questions, right? Uh, one was, uh, you know, my son was born and I said, okay, um, there got to be a better way to make money. That, that was just one question, right? There got to be a better way to make money because uh, uh, if I keep doing this, what I'm doing, um, you know, leaving morning, coming back in the afternoon and, and wasting my hours, it's just uh, you know, not going to be worthwhile. And I still remember a quote, I don't know the owner of this, who wrote it, but that actually gave me the shivers and that gave me the, the motivation. It said that something like this. I don't, can't remember the exact words, but something like this. It says, um, you know, after you die, no, sorry, when you die, after some years, it will be like you were never born. You know, and I was like, holy crap. You know, when I die after some years, it will be like I was never born. Like I wasn't even on this planet. Yeah. And that actually made me realize, see, 15 years I spent at, um, you know, all these companies doing good amount of work. But if I'm not there to talk to you or tell you that what I did, nobody know what I did. Mm. Right. So mm -hmm. that's where this is like, holy crap. I spent 15 years working for that many companies, done a lot of good work, did a lot of, you know, cool stuff, but there's no one there to tell anybody that what I did. Yeah. So I said, I need to start working on something. That's why I said, I'm going to author stuff. 
Altar is the only place I found that, uh, you know, once you leave, things are still there. Like, you know, yeah. we still read Think and Go Rich yeah. because the people authored it. So that's where I sort of gone into the author stuff and um, the trainings, the videos, uh, yeah. a lot of trainings now, a lot of books is, is yeah. part of the series going to come through. Nice. Right? So I think uh, main catalyst to, to do, keep doing it is just all that behind it because I want to make sure that, um, you know, that I work and I get to, get to spend time with the family as well. So I, from last three years, I've been lucky enough to just work from this room yeah. and don't have to go anywhere else. Yeah. So you're pre you're preconditioned to COVID nineteen. Pretty much from last. <laughs> pretty much no from difference. last. Nah. No <laughs> I think, uh, uh, believe it or not, we made more money in COVID nineteen. You know, in last six weeks than yeah. we made in last three years. Yeah. Um, to be honest, we've done exactly the same. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Week. Yeah. This week is again going to be a record week. Yeah. For me personally. So. Yeah. Same. But it's it's crazy because of that. So obviously some industries have been decimated, tourism, transport, yeah. you know, but, but for uh, obviously hospitality, hotels, but, you know, there's some that are absolutely, uh, apparently, um, uh, apparently delivery of wine is killing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that, right? Uh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so tell me about your book. Obviously, you were touching on, you know, being an author. Um, what was, is, is it being just having words written on a page that was, you know, sort of a legacy that you wanted to leave or was it the information that you'd learned over the last 20 odd years? Um, yeah, I think the main thing in the book was, um, is it's spent a bit of time. Like I think it took me 12 months to write it. And so we ran an experiment uh, called the fast growth project, uh, or an experiment, right. For 12 months as part of that, it was uh, to take any or scale any business from zero to 1 million, you know, and the book is part of that, right? So we just added, uh, you know, what do you need if you are an expert, you're a coach, you're a consultant, you're providing services, uh, you're an expert in something, what do you do? How do you scale your business? What do you need? And I think uh, the first 10 or 11 chapters, I talked about the mindset. I talked about the identity mm -hmm. uh, quite a lot, like what do you need to become? Uh, because <clears throat> if you do what you've been doing in last many years and, uh, you know, then it's really hard to achieve the goals absolutely. Uh, because the identity shift is the number one thing. And then after that, I provided the steps. Yeah. hundred percent. So and how many chapters in the book? Uh, altogether 25, uh, yeah. 300 plus pages. Yeah. Nice man. And a half of it's on mindset. Funny, huh? Yeah. Half of it on <laughs> mindset. And probably if I had my own way, I probably had 80%, but yeah. um, you know, I, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, mindset's obvious that that's, you know, for, for most part, they don't realize uh, you probably heard of the have be do model, you know, yep. when yep. I have this, then I'll be better and I'll do yep. more. Uh, whereas in business, it's, you know, be the other way have, you know, who do I need to be? What do I need to do? And then I can have that. It's, it's roles reversed, you know, True. anyways. Um, sales is, is exactly like that. If you want to be a great salesperson or a great business owner, you need to be a different person than just that employee that's, you know, whatever the job is. And, and also I think there's, you know, even the last, what I've noticed, probably the last five or six years have been a massive push in the entrepreneurial world where there's personal development, there's training courses, there's seminars, there's um, books that have been read and written and all over the place. And, and the real push towards entrepreneurship being, you know, the sexy world, uh, <laughs> where really 
Yeah. Um, most people would be better staying as an employee, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think yeah, I, I believe that. Look, there is nothing wrong in that, and and we've been kind of now there is a world started to talk about being entrepreneur. Uh, you wouldn't believe as an employee. Um, you know, I can say to you like I never had a problem. Like I was, I was pretty good at what I was doing. Like it's, it was, you know, making like you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollar a day, um, and that was my rate to actually go out and work for anybody. That was mm. just the standard rate. So doing that and uh, you know have a privilege to work from home and I can travel whatever I want to do. That that's that was good. So as an employee, life is not bad. I think it's just yeah. people started to believe that they need to have one or the other. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, that's right. And I, and I, right, well. I think my whole Facebook, I don't think I have many employees in my Facebook, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Maybe the people that work for the guys that I know, I'm not sure. But, I'm, but, I'm having a trouble with that because my LinkedIn is full with employees. Yeah. Um, oh, really? I used, I used to be like that. So I had a lot of friends, friends in there, um, yeah. the people I worked with, and um, they all are still doing the same thing. What, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. So, um, it's, LinkedIn is a bit harder for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you've done a lot of facilitating on, you know, blockchain and those sorts of things. Doesn't help when uh, I, we started a financial plan on Facebook just as new rules came in and new algorithms. So that marketing campaign got squished pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> it, cost us, it cost us a sweet forty grand very very yeah. quickly. Um, but for blockchain, what what's the future there, man? Obviously, you've been doing it for the last couple of years. We heard a lot about it at the start: cryptocurrency, blockchain. Yeah. Um, I even heard the recruitment industry, uh, energy industry, which I'm pretty sure they're almost on that, you know, VPP, virtual power plant, yeah. solar and battery. Um, I actually see that blockchain is going to be the way of the future. Um, to be honest, in the energy sector, let's say in the next five to 10 years, I believe that it's not going to be viable for energy companies to run anymore because someone's going to have solar. I'm doing my best for that one. <laughs> um, and then the government will probably take it back like taxis in Perth. And, and uh, when Uber came in and, and, you know, sort of deregulated the market, if you will, or, or demonopolized it, um, government takes it back and then blockchain will come in and, and then essentially we all help each other with that power and it hopefully becomes cheaper. Yeah. Um, where do you see the future for blockchain, man? Um, look, I think uh, it, it's a good technology to be part of this uh, because um, the if I talk about technology by itself, look, we, we had many technologies came in the past, right? So we had, uh, you know, cloud or internet or anything else came in the past. So um, they all sort of made a difference in the world, right? Somewhat. But alone in itself, technology can't do much. Yeah. Right. So there's going to be a lot of other things need to be put together. So uh, blockchain is that kind of thing uh, is alone. Blockchain is going to be very less use cases. Uh, but when you put together with IOTs and other things, it's going to be a hell of, you know, it's going to make a lot of difference in the world. Um, a lot of things are going to be changed uh, in the future as part of this. And um, I, I truly believe that it's going to disrupt a lot of industries, a lot of industries, and especially any industry you can think of today where we have, um, you know, people in the middle, uh, you know, to facilitate the transactions like real estate industry. If you talk about a real estate agents today, right? So um, 
they are just in the middle, right? So I know they add value. So if you are a real estate agent, somebody listening to this, they might say, you know, we do a lot of work. Yes, you do a lot of work, but but it's yeah. just in the middle, right? So they should be anyway. They should yeah. be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these kind of industry is going to have a major impact. Yeah. Okay. Right. So for those that have never heard, for those that kind of have heard of cryptocurrency or they've heard of blockchain, give us the layman's term of what it actually is how and and how the technology works yeah um like very quickly if um, you know when when we walk into a 7-eleven to buy a coffee um so what happens is uh, you walk in there is a buyer there is a seller to to facilitate the transaction we have a banks in the middle to confirm that the buyer's got the money and the bank transfer that money into the seller's account, right? So buyer and seller has got that, right? So money gets transferred from one account to the other account by the bank. So now bank is in the middle completing that transaction. Bank makes sure that you are the right person and also on the other side who's receiving the money is the right account holder, right? Mm-hmm. So, but now imagine that bank's not there in the middle. Uh, you're just doing that between two people. So blockchain is that kind of technology can facilitate that uh, without having a bank in the middle. Okay. So, so who holds the money? You still hold the money. You hold the money. It's your money. You hold it. If you lose it, you lost it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Is there any, I mean, that, that can transcend many different industries. I've got recruitment in my mind in regards to, you know, the recruitment agency trying to find people or LinkedIn or job, you know, we, we built a, a, um, uh, funny you mentioned you built your own um, job platform. We yep. did the same thing ourselves and didn't do much with it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great idea. It looks way better than Seek and then it's still yeah, sitting yeah. there. So it, there's lots of ventures that just are in the in the graveyard, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's uh, a lot, lot of industries like that, right? So imagine this now. See, one of the biggest thing is uh, credentials, right? To think of this, uh, all the universities today. So when people come to this country to study, and they say, hey, I studied from, uh, you know, Ivy League or I studied from ABCD University somewhere in the world. And they give you the certificate. Um, how do you make sure that this is authentic? Yeah. You know, there is no way at the moment to do that. So if all these yeah. cred- credential gets pointed or put on on the blockchain where people can confirm it, you know, and nobody's controlled it. Right? Nobody's controlling it. So it's, it's one of the best. So there are many use cases like that or talk about uh, land titles. Today, mm-hmm. land titles are held by the government somewhere. What if they put it on a blockchain, right? So these are, you know, certain things are there, which is going to make a major, major, major impact. Yeah. Um, now, every new technology, and let's class as a new technology because it's, you know, essentially in its infancy stage from the mass market you know you've got your early adopters we haven't got that curve where the majority are using these things in every industry you know if anything it's even pre-early adopter because it's not widely throughout every industry every new technology has a bit of a backdoor issue where there's a privacy or there's a you know the tracking app and you know there's there's always something is there anything in blockchain that that can that can be used um, you know, not in a in the in the right way. Um, yeah, I think there are a few things. Um, I think those need to be handled uh, as part of the design, uh, which a lot of clever people are doing it at the moment. So imagine this, right? So you um, have a money on this phone. Uh, so when I talked about the completing the transaction, the banks does it. Today, what happens is bank makes sure that you uh, the money is safe. 
bank makes sure that uh, you know if somebody trying to steal it they go back and get the money right so they do that they have all this in place but when you have money on your phone and you lose this phone the money's gone oh uh, yeah Right. So there is no money. You can't say, hey, uh, where, you know, I can go get it from somewhere else or it's probably stored somewhere. No, it's not. It's just in your phone. That's it. If you lose this phone, it's gone. So what it means is you have to could back it up. Phone, my friend. Sorry. Could, that could be an expensive phone. Yeah. Yeah. You could actually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of people lost bitcoins. I lost a lot of currency uh, early down the, you know, when I was doing it. I didn't understand it that much. And I'm talking about 2014, 2015. Yeah. A lot of money was lost with playing around. Didn't understand it. And mm. uh, But just because of um, you can lose it. But the, the measures behind it, right? You, know, can, you can put uh, backup and you can do all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But these are the trainings everybody must have. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know. Yeah, any, I mean, any new technology, you need to know what the pitfalls are and the dangers because... Otherwise, you end up in a situation where you've, you know, taken all your money out of cash, put it into digital currency, and it's yeah. sitting on your phone exactly like you said, and, and then there's no backup, and the, that that's it. So, um, mate, obviously, when you're looking at um, scaling a business, what would be the three top tips of anyone out there? You know, obviously, we're coming out of a very unique uh, time in, in the business landscape right now. I don't think anyone in the world has faced anything like this. Even 2008 was nothing like this. True. Um, you know, 9-11 wasn't anything like this. So this is, you know, I don't even, uh, unprecedented, I don't want to use that word, but it, we are literally in unprecedented times because no one has seen anything on the other side of, you know, reopening businesses. How, how is, is the market going to bounce back as quickly? You know, let's say if you're looking at the hospitality or the bar industry, you know, is everyone hanging out for the drink? I think so. <laughs> I think we're all hanging out for a hug, to be honest. <laughs> um, where do you see sort of the next 12 months playing out and, and how can businesses really get the most out of this unique time in, in, our, in our history? Um, I think, uh, look, I'm, I truly believe that this is a great opportunity and it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity right now for us. Uh, people out there who are leaders, people who are experts, people who are business owners, people who are leaders in their industry, this is the best time to shine. Um, because imagine this, right? So all these um, um, leaders are made in tough times and leaders and the quality and people are known or you know, people find out about good leaders during these kind of tough times. So number one thing, I think people who are there, who are probably hiding, who are not taking action, who thinks that things just going to get better. Um, and, and there is a news, things won't get better. Won't get better means that it won't be like the way it used to be. Yeah. You know, it'll be totally different. So I think number one thing, people need to come out and start serving, start doing things and, and stop hiding. You know, as I said that I've done a few trainings on this and I talk about there are three kind of people now. One is um, who just going to be, you know, in next 12 months, they're just going to close. You know, in next 12 to 24 months, their business is going to be closed. Absolutely closed. Nothing is, you know, they feel the game, you know, few of them is just going to survive. Yeah. And there are few businesses, they're going to thrive like anything else. Right. And there is a difference between what are you doing today and that thinking uh, will make the entire difference. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, Keith Cunningham says you only find out that people got no pants on them when the tide goes down, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> absolutely. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Which is actually one of my favorite quotes from the, <laughs> one of the whole event. Was like, uh, yeah. that, was a, that was a great topic, that one. Um, uh, you know what? I, I think you're 100% right. I, I definitely got caught up in the frustrations and the anger and the, and the, and the confusion of, you know, five at a um, wedding and 10 at a funeral. You know, in, in moments like this, leadership from top down, from PM all the way down to business leaders, from operators to family members to dads, everyone needs to step up. And it's not so much just about falling back and, and just hoping that things are going to be better. It's actually having that, like you said, strategic thinking on what you can do differently. Yes. Um, I think this is what I mean. What it, this has been some of the most positive outcomes, obviously, when you're t- talking about um, people losing their lives and family members, that's horrific and it's never, there's no you know, outcome that can replace that. There's nothing that can replace that. But I think what it has done uh, to a lot of us is actually taken a step back from busy, 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 busy and just, you know, today is already Friday and, and <laughs> the weekend literally felt like three days ago, you know what I mean, or two days ago. Um, even through the lockdown, what I did see more of, which was actually quite phenomenal, was more people at the big ovals near my, near my house and more people walking with the kids and more people walking the dogs and the ovals full. Not necessarily people playing, but walking around and enjoying nature and kind of taking a step back and being locked inside. And if anything, I think a lot of businesses are actually becoming more productive. Absolutely. Which is kind of strange. Seeing as it's very different, right? So imagine, I think we are more close now at home. And I think people have probably have realized that uh, whether they are with the right partner or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it's because, uh, imagine this, right? You get to spend a lot of time. So I think uh, we are uh, in pretty good times. And, and as I said earlier, it's, it's a good time to be, uh, you know, we always said that, you know, when I have a you know, free time, I'll spend with the kids, I'll spend with my wife or husband or all that. Um, now we've been given this time and it's yeah. so good time to have that. Like I'm, I'm so privileged to have this done. Like, you know, um, in a lunchtime, I get to spend time with the kids. I cook them yeah. lunch and stuff, do all that, come back into this room, do my meetings, I'll go back again and do something else, come back again and do for one hour. So it's, yeah. it's really cool. Like, it, yeah. you know, and then never thought that I could actually do this. And yeah, I'm going to be studying there. I'm going to be here. Wife studying there. Like it's it's very good. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a little bit different. But I think if there's some, if we look, and again, I definitely got caught up in the in the frustrations and the emotions of this is not very good and we can't do this and businesses. And I was thinking for the business owner because I've been in that situation before. Uh, we've had different regulations change and really affecting business in out the way we did it. Uh, in, in a couple of different companies um, heavily, like literally changed, not overnight, but enough to seriously consider or reconsider the, the outcome of which you guys and the, and the mission that we were on. Um, this has been exactly the same, but it's how we are responding now. And, you know, initially, like I said, my personal frustrations were pretty massive. So <laughs> from a leadership point of view, I was pretty, pretty not very good. Um, but now it seems to be, okay, now I've got a bit of an understanding and, and for me, I'm a very logical person when I don't understand something, I find it very difficult to accept that that's the outcome. Um, um, and I guess from that entrepreneurial mindset, um, authority and rules and regulations <laughs> don't work for me. <laughs> I don't like them. They're too constricting, you know? True. Um, but coming out of that, I definitely think that there's been a lot of time to think to stop and not do any other reason, but we haven't been able to do something. 
You know, we haven't been able to be busy with our own lives. We actually had to stay at home and spend more time with the kids. And, and when you do that, you actually realize what life is really all about as opposed to what we think we're trying to achieve. Um, perfect example, I closed down my company end of last or start of last year. Uh, and it was the best decision I've ever made. You know, it was, it was the most, at, at the time when you're talking about identity, my identity was attached to everything that that business brought to me. Uh, and that took a long time of healing to work out that that's actually not me anymore. But that was, that was me for 10 years. That was very, very difficult to, to understand for the, for 12 months, just couldn't get my head around the fact that it was gone and everything I worked on for 10 years was no longer there. And now I'm probably the happiest I've been in years. Wow. Wow. Relaxed, less stress, uh, calm with the kids, more time, actually wanted to be the better father. Um, and I think this is the last final hurdle, even though it was quite horrendous at the beginning, where it's actually connected everything back and, and it kind of gives you a bit more resolve and how you want to play your life as opposed to just being stuck in it and being, you know, seven days a week and, you, and you're really just stuck in that massive machine of recruitment and sales and training and growth and finances and bills and it just is like, ugh. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I say to that to everybody, um, you know, who start the programs, you know, working with us. And uh, one number one thing is, you know, yes, we want the results, um, but you know, we don't have to, or we don't get to control. And this is pretty cool. We don't get to control what works. Mm. You know, and and I always say that yes, we want this, right? And and you say the outcome. I want to be, you know, like in this place. I want to do this. I want to, you know, do this kind of work. And I want to be like for me personally. I want to teach and I want to author. I want to train. That's what I want to do. But I don't get to control what works. Like I can't say this ABC program which I'm doing. This is the only program I want that to work. Mm-hmm. You know, people might not like it. You know, I take the offers, like, I don't know how many offers I took it to the market. Um, some of them just didn't work at all. Some of them worked really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we as an entrepreneur, I think uh, one thing must realize it, uh, you know, it applies to pretty much every one of us is, you know, we know what we want. And I think keep the eyes on want and what do you want to do, but don't get to control what works. You know, yeah. I, I, I can't control what works. Some things just work. Like, yeah. I don't know why it works. Like, I kind of, you know, it works. That's it. Just, yeah. just follow what works, right? Some people say, hey, this ad's working really well. This doesn't work. I don't know. This works. So just keep doing the same thing. Yeah. You yeah. know, put the money, money on what works. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of wasting time, why this work? You know, I don't know. It just works. Let's get go this way. Yeah. My last question was actually going to be your, your biggest revelation, but that was, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> it is look uh, i think that's that could be one of them right so because right at the top is we don't want to control what works and i think control is one of the biggest enemy we can have uh, we're trying to control everything we want to control everything right yeah control yeah. doesn't work yeah to be honest that's probably one of been the biggest lessons for me is is i've always understood life as let's say life and water because it's quite fluid it changes it moves you need to adapt um, what you thought was going to happen doesn't always plan out. You know, I thought I'd be, uh, meet the girl of my dreams at 25, then, you know, date for two years and be engaged for one year and then have kids by 30. And, and that, that timeline, the perfect timeline of what I thought was right just doesn't happen like that. So 
um, you definitely have to, you, you're kind of, I always consider you're kind of like on fate or destiny or whatever. You're kind of on this, I, I consider, you know, when it rains and you're in the gutter, you put the leave in the gutter. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of like the little guy in the gutter and you have really not much control. Uh, yeah. And the more you try and control, you'll probably end up in the drink anyway. True. Uh, but Absolutely. what you do need to be understanding is, is that life has a purpose for you. Life has a vision for you. And, and I definitely believe that someone is looking after you um, and you need to also look after yourself to put yourself in those positions where opportunities come to keep on going, to become more resilient and to make sure that you can actually drive yourself forward into the next level if that's what you want to do. Absolutely. But don't be upset about not hitting those targets if, if you didn't do anything for them or not reaching what your friends have got because they've been, you know, I used to always get told that, oh, you're crazy for working six days a week and 70 hours a week. Um, <laughs> but I think of the life that I've created for ourselves and, and the families a little bit different to what uh, I was destined to become from school. Yes. Right? Yeah, so absolutely. That, that comes down to hard work. So absolutely. Yourself, man, for any advice on, especially let's, let's go for this. I didn't really want to talk about this, but any, any advice for someone coming out of, you know, I literally read today we're looking at reopening things up by May the 8th, if not tonight, in ACT. Travel's going to be coming uh, a little bit more um, accessible. Restaurants will slowly start to open up, which is fantastic for the hospital. I come from the hospitality industry, so my heart goes out for those guys that are really struggling in that. Well, you know, we'll see how, how that plays out. Um, but what would be some advice? Is there is there a mentality shift? Is there skills that we need to relearn is there operational um you know standards that we need to improve on what, yep. what's go, what's going to separate the winners from the guys that kind of give up like that first people that you're talking about over the next 12 months i think uh, number one thing is for people now probably have realized that things are not local anymore like you know if you are only a local business or thinking that local business, that mindset has to be changed mm. because uh, we realized in last six weeks or eight weeks, the time we stayed at home, that saying that it's a local business doesn't help because, uh, you know, this, I, you know, phones are there, a podcast, videos, um, you know, all these things available now, the businesses don't have to be local. And I think this shift has to be there. The people need to start thinking that how do I make it at a global business or if not global at least the interstate you know like at least the country business rather than just a very local business that's that's number one thing i think for the other thing is um the next thing i'm a big believer of supporting local people right as well right so if somebody is a local business owner and you are there have your shop those people can't move their shop somewhere else right so they they are there so i think it's a good idea to go out and support the local businesses now 100%. And don't buy from the big brands, buy from small people, buy from, you know, small shops. Uh, don't order Uber, call people to order from the restaurant. This is the so common sense. I don't know why people don't know that. Why would you want to pay Uber so much money? They charge 35% from hotel people, from restaurant people. Call the restaurant directly, order them, right? And pick it up from them because they make money by you calling them, not giving money to somebody in America. Yeah, 30%, man, that's your profit margin, man. That's, that's. I know, can you believe that? I can't uh, believe, 35% Uber charge. Man, that's, uh, I, I, 
obviously, like I said, coming from the restaurant industry, when I heard the numbers, I was like, oh, what a great idea. And then I heard the numbers and I heard basically if, if the person delivering it is wrong or it's cold yeah. and they say- That's the restaurant's fault. Yeah, that's the restaurant's fault and, they, and the restaurant has to pay for it. But Uber said, yeah. I was like, that is the worst idea I have yeah. ever heard in my life from the restaurant's point of view. Perfect for Uber. Yeah. Essentially, that's their business model. They, they take cuts from never having any assets. Brilliant. From that sort of business model, it's incredible. Like there's literally no risk at all. True. True. Um, but from the, from the small business operator that's trying to make a dollar, mate, you, that is it's, literally killing restaurants. Absolutely. Same thing applies to the hotel industry, right? Don't book it through the website. Call people. If you see that, this is so funny. And I think uh, I've realized it a couple of years ago, uh, the game they play at the moment. Um, you know, when you see the rate and it's say $200 a night, uh, you call the restaurant or call the hotel and say, hey, on the website, say 200 can you give me better? And I promise you they'll give you a better rate because the only reason is the only reason is they can't put it on their website is because they have this agreement with them that That's they right. can't put a you know lower rate. Yeah. So yeah. Out of everything, stop buying Uber Eats. Stop buying from them, man. <laughs> stop. I know it's convenient. I know, but call the restaurant and buy from them directly. I think you're you're bang on point. You know, I was thinking a lot uh, about you know how can small business recover after this. Yeah. And it's going to be a slow recovery because we're looking at eight weeks of literally no income for nail technicians, beauty therapy, restaurants, bars, nightclubs, all those sort of things. We need to support these guys, big or small, in regards to size of the company. They're small guys. They're really, really hurting, especially those industries. I, said, I, I literally put a post on my Facebook the day for the guys that are getting the, the surplus and your, your, uh, your situation has not changed right? So you, you were not working now. You're still not working. Nothing's changed. So you don't need more money. Buy a $500 coffee at your local coffee shop, like give them the money and inject yes. that surplus back into the businesses that need it the most. If your situation has not changed or you're making more because you might've only been making 600 bucks a week and now they're giving you a 750, mate, that really is going to go a long way to supporting these small businesses. Just because they run a small business does not make them making millions. If anything, there's more risk and 93% of these guys don't make it anyway. True. Absolutely. So we've got to be helping those small businesses out as much as we can. Stay away from, you know, the the coals and wherever else. They're all good. They'll they'll take a bit of a hit, but it's these small businesses that are really, really struggling. Try and buy your coffee beans from the local coffee shop, you know, instead of Harris Coffee or Victoria, which is crap anyway. (laughs) (laughs) easy man well anything else you want to add to the conversation no my friend uh, i just want to say thank you thank you for your time and i think uh, this 100th episode is couldn't have been better uh without you so thank you for your time thanks for the time yeah awesome good my friend uh